Hey, this is Frank Bello from Anthrax, and you're listening to Middle Age Metalheads. Turn it up! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of Middle Aged Metalheads. It is episode 140. Does that Jeez. sound right to you guys? <laughs> really? I really? I don't like numbers. That's what's in the notes. Episode 140. Okay. 150 is um, coming soon. That's right. And we are talking about the year. 1993. Can you believe we've gotten through all of the 80s? No, I still it, can't it, believe it. Well, you know, there was a time that probably once a week we would sit and go through and make sure we hit all of the 80s. And uh, then we were like, what are we going to do now? Now we oh, have to do 90s. The 90s, yeah, we can hit this. So we're in. We're Come in on, 90s. 2000s. <laughs> no. It's coming. No, it's never. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Just like leapfrog that whole thing. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's, it's exciting. We are going to be missing, uh, one John Harden who is away for work and, uh, is probably just bombed with things to do. Uh, but the, 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 the three, the three legged stool will, uh, we'll just have to, we'll just have to fumble through. But first gentlemen, is it the week in metal? The week in metal. awesome david I, I i think it's gonna like make uh, a lot of people like tear up or also make a lot of panties wet ding, ding. right i live to serve colin uh <laughs> you your tail's wagon uh, what do you got man it is so we were talking an episode or two ago about pantera and uh, we know about the reunion i guess we'll call it reunion tribute uh whatever we're calling it and uh i think john was the one that said to me or said out loud maybe they will tour and they are pantera is going to go around on their own uh headlining tour i think lamb of god is going to support them which i'm excited about so they're making the most of all this opportunity and i think that's great i have not uh, seen them yet we'll see them with michael well i'll see them michael may not come inside of the stadium quite yet oh <laughs> oh because i have tickets for that band metallica but uh correct right i don't know I, I there there could be like a really cool screen in the bar we'll see i don't know but, <laughs> no, it, 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 i'm sure it'll be it, it'll definitely be a spectacle worth worth seeing and we'll, we'll get to see like a lot of uh you know uh video of, of their performances you know leading up to the august stuff that they're going to do at the metlife but it should be cool. Should yeah. Be cool. yeah. So I'm excited. I'm going to try to fit it in. They are uh, the weekend that we have MetLife Metallica tickets is the weekend. They're playing around me. I think they're playing the Wednesday before we go away. And I think they're playing the Saturday night while we're in New York um, during that, that weekend. So, but I'm excited for Pantera. I think they're really? making them. I think they're, 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 they're going to sneak in a, an extra kick. Well, they're done on Friday. And I remember they switched the okay. openers. Yeah. So yeah. We, we see they're, them they're Friday. Good. 
and then they're done until the, the next rigs in season. town. So just just right. take it onto the island and go there. Go to that Les Paul place in in Manhattan. Yeah, they, yeah, they're gonna go to like the House of Blues, the BB yeah. the BB King House of Blues place. <laughs> Yeah, that would be awesome, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, my weekend. That's my weekend medal. Is, is go, go Pantera. If you're into that kind of thing, I guess you would really like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, my weekend medal. I was. Uh, I guess I'll say I was surprised, pleasantly surprised. There's a new Philly band out. This like metallic hardcore band called Skull Presser, and I've I, I might have shared. Yeah, didn't you their, talk about their them track. before? their track with you before. I don't know if I talked about them on air, but uh, they released an EP, right? And uh, their first single called Profit from Pain, it's got a video, and they've got a band camp, and it's it's great. But it's it's essentially a super group. It was these these cats um, from all of the, all these other Philly area bands, and I gotta tell you, man, it is it's super heavy, but it's also got like these, this like great like punk I don't want to say like pop punk but it's it's got like pop sensibility right it really good songwriting nothing like trying to be overly clever just really good songs nice changes nice rhythms um and i'm just really excited to uh to hear more from them because they like i said they sound great it is super well produced um so check it out skull presser uh, it's just simply uh, skullpresser.bandcamp.com uh, to check out their their stuff, and you can download uh, five songs, right? Five dollar digital album. Um, but I'm kind of hoping that you know, I was thinking they they would sound great like playing with like Honey here in Philly or something. Mm. Like that, you know what I mean? Just like really, these are seasoned musicians. These are guys who have been around for a long time, and uh, and it shows in the maturity of their songwriting. Um, I think I think at least two of the guys in the band sing, so it makes like a really nice uh, back and forth and gang style vocals from time to time. So uh, check it out, Skull Presser. I'm on uh, Spotify here, and I've got five Skull Presser tracks to choose from. Which one am I choosing, David? Uh, well, their single is that "Profit for Pain." All right, I'm gonna check that out. While, um, so uh, Michael I would, talks. Uh, oh yeah, don't yeah don't don't bother listening to Michael. Profit from from <laughs> pain. Both. I'm sorry. Profit from pain. Profit from pain uh, yeah. is their first is their first single. So while Michael's going on about something, just drop that in there. Oh yeah, just <laughs> just totally listen to that. But uh, again, I'm gonna do the same. Go ahead. It's, it's it's super super good, David. Like just yeah, pr- promoting like local bands. You know, just you know, getting people interested. In, and again, like Colin's a sponge for anything. So you just like give him something new to like like a new chew toy. And he's like he's gonna be on. <laughs> So, uh, I, I'm going to steal John's weekend metal topic, which uh, had to do with uh, again, like a, the the second single that was since released from uh, Metallica's forthcoming record, Seventy Two Seasons. And because the title is called "Screaming Suicide," it probably uh, in, in this day and age uh, rightly sort of triggered a lot of folks and stirred up some some necessary controversy which again in 2023 where we are now uh can often lead to some very um productive conversation so you know so james of course didn't just like let the single out um 
thoughtlessly and just sort of like dump it on people, uh, but uh, did manage to like release some sort of statement uh, about, <clears throat> you know, the, the song, its content, and of course, uh, the, the scourge of suicide that, that of course, uh, takes too, uh, uh, too many lives uh, here in America and of course, in, everywhere. Um, and again, uh, Metallica being a global band, um, suicide and dark thoughts is, is kind of like stuff that, you know, heavy metal is like kind of their stock in trade. And I, I don't, can't recall like any real song that actually is a really good song that glorifies it. Um, e e even Fade to Black is, uh, well, that, that, you know, stirred up a lot of controversy back then where, you know, kids would, I don't know, park their cars on train tracks and stuff or OD listening to the song. Um, maybe more of an urban myth than anything else. Um, whether or not music causes people to have suicidal ideation is, uh, you know, that's for another conversation. But uh, James at least said that, you know, the intention for the song is to communicate about the darkness we feel inside, you know, and how it's ridiculous to think we should deny that we have these thoughts. At one point or another, I believe most people have thought about it. To face it is to speak the unspoken. It's a human experience. We should be able to talk about it. You are not alone. And just looking at, at the lyrics too, this this is a song that's uh, a different sort of James Hetfield than that wrote that really sparse uh, lyric for uh, Fade to Black, and it's it's definitely a much more sort of like positive, uplifting, sort of like don't give in sort of song. So um, just another uh, another track dropped off in 72 seasons. So, uh, you know, more, more thoughtful stuff from, from James and, uh, you know, Metallica. So stuff to look forward to, I guess. And check it out. It's, it's on your streaming services or on YouTube, whatever you got. But we can meddle. We Don't can kill meddle. yourself. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's... We've come... We've, I'd, I'd love to say we've come a long way in that uh, in that area of, of life. It, we haven't, right? Um, the sure. fact that The fact that more people are, are talking about it, I guess that's progress, right? I think um, so. But you've got to be... I mean, I, 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 was, I was out on Twitter a couple months back because it just seemed like... I was, I was talking to my wife. I was like, you know what? I think in the last say six or 12 months I think I've had somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or nine people I know who have died by suicide um, yeah. yeah I mean and some some I know like from high school right? so it's not like people I talk to all the time um, but people I know who have tried you know within, within the last couple of years and uh, you know I think that these times are tough you know there's all kinds of stress and, and, and that's not going to go away um, but you know as I was out on Twitter I'm like you gotta remind folks like you know, part of being metal is rebelling, and sometimes rebelling is rebelling against your own thoughts and getting things out there and getting the help you need and talking to your friends. So, absolutely, get the help you need. Uh, talk to people. Don't listen to yourself when you're when you're thinking all this negative stuff. Um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a story that, that you know back back you know when we're thinking about uh, fade to black era '85 mm -hmm. or so. You know, it was it was taboo, and, and I think James references that in his statements. Like, we shouldn't make it taboo. That's that's part of the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, 
like all these returning servicemen from uh, Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, still dying <clears throat> at the rate of about a hundred a day. That's amazing. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, but that's down. That's down. So, um, <laughs> but it's it's still it's still terrifying and horrifying. Um, yeah, yeah, again, absolutely. Like, and again, like the whole idea of being hardcore and being a warrior, or, or just you know being metal, is, is kind of the, the, the kind of a cliche of sorts. But as David said, like you know, reach out. There are hotlines. Whatever your health, ser- you know, provider services, there is a you know, there are counselors out there to uh, you know to you know spend some time and speak with you. So. When we broach this subject, as we have before, we just sort of like we put that out there. It's, you know, it's it's a dark and scary place. Your brain, your life. Yeah. But there, there are people out there that will, uh, you know, talk you off the ledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that uh, that hotline in the states is nine eight eight. That's that new service they got up and running. I've not called it um, to to see what it's like. Somebody had said that there's there's a wait. I don't know. Um, but you know, find those resources, check it out. Um, but, uh, as we, as we kind of, you know, can't find it, grind it, shift gears back into the topic du jour. Can I finish um, up real quick on skull presser? Oh yeah, please. So, uh, they just got five bucks from me because I had, uh, <laughs> I had, I had, to, so if you're listening to skull presser, first of all, um, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for keeping the, excuse me, <clears throat> making your music available and, uh, on Bandcamp. So enjoy the $5. And uh, I was impressed, David. I think there's some really good stuff there. So, yeah, well, well worth my money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't wait till they start playing live. Uh, assuming, I mean, maybe they are, but I haven't seen it anyway. Right. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad you like it. All right, uh, dude. What are we talking? 1993. What were you doing? Jesus fucking in Christ. 1993. <laughs> I was uh, 26. Going on twenty seven years old. Dude, working. I was twenty one years old. Oh, well then you had. I was twenty two. You guys had far better years in nineteen ninety three than I did. Uh, I, I was raising yeah. a th- I was raising a three year old and working. Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> old. I was. <laughs> I've been old for a while now. That's right. What else? I mean, I was in college. Michael, were you done college? Are you in your last um, year? In, in 1993, by the end of the year, I graduated at San Jose State. Oh, and did you a four-year grad? Uh, kind of like that. Good for yeah. you. That's, that's what you should do, right? Just go but to most, school. Most people do not graduate in four years. Well, uh, I think I almost graduated a semester early. Like wow. I said, I graduated in December and then went on to my master's there. But... Yeah. Uh, you know, listened to a lot of great music. Had uh, you know, there were, you know, where where we were living at that time. We were uh, me and my friends, Brian and Brad, and another Brad. We were all you know between like a, a frat house and and a party house in an apartment. So like you know, it's nonstop fun going up to Santa Cruz, dropping some shrooms. You know, sort of thing that you do. Um, 1993, it was just, I don't know, it was, it, it was awesome, yeah. but, uh, you know, and, and again, the music scene was, uh, was changing a lot, you know, it was not like you could just sort of like 
bring out those old Cinderella records and blast them. Or it's like, hey, dude, are you into Queens, right? Because like that is not going to get the panties wet. Ding. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. What? 93. So that was like the, the end of junior year, the beginning of senior year of college. And I was, dude, I was swamped. I was doing, taking so many classes and playing gigs and in a band and probably moved for like the fourth or fifth time by then because I was one of those guys who moved around a lot. And, uh, gosh, you know, that's, uh, those were the, the Joey Mahoney days of my of my life right um where all kinds of craziness was happening the music scene in philly was jumping in the 90s dude that's we saw a lot of great music in the 90s um i want to say it was 93 i think i saw like i think it was fire hose at oh. uh at the truck it was like bass head fire hose and beastie boys You've spoken truck. highly of Firehose. I love Firehose. Um, but I saw them at the truck, and at the end of the night, me and my buddy Pete had, I think, between us like five bucks. And we were like, well, we can either get like cigarettes or we can take the train home. So cigarettes. We, we got cigarettes and we walked <laughs> from the truck, which is at 10th and Arch, to his place, which was like broad and shunk or something, dude. Far, so far. It took us forever, but at least we had cigarettes. <laughs> There you go. Choices. There you go. Choices, man. You got to make your choices, baby. Uh, <laughs> so like, so this is what we're doing in our little bullshit worlds. Like, uh, we're going to talk about a little bit, like really briefly, like things that are going on, world events, just to sort of contextualize. Mm -hmm. And if you guys want to jump in with some uh, what's going on with movie and TV, what's going on with, uh, you know, other cultural events but uh 1993 like do you remember who was president 93 was it was clinton? it in a bush was it clinton uh, or bush no this it's bill clinton i don't know yeah oh, okay yeah okay uh, yeah. Well, you asked me i took a shot okay yeah but like <laughs> he, he came he came to uh you know san jose state and uh in 92 when he was on the campaign trail so that was yeah. that was kind of cool but yeah, and, and the whole sort of saxophone shit. But by '93, he he is president, and let's see what's going on on his watch here. Um, let's see, there's some stuff going on uh, in China. They break their nuclear test moratorium. Stuff is really breaking in South Africa, where they begin to adopt majority rule constitution. This is the era of Mandela and de Klerk that's going to be the end of apartheid and you know that lead to the path of their sort of truth and resolution uh, reconciliation trials and stuff yeah. um Clinton of course again we, we say this like a good 30 years ago um you know agrees to a, a compromise on the military's ban on homosexuals with the controversial uh, policy of, you know, don't ask, don't tell. And of course, that would be something that would be reversed under uh, President Trump. Um, so we're, we're still working out that. The thing that, that that's making a lot of news cycles these days, of course, is the 30 year anniversary of the ATF raid on uh, the, the Branch Davidian compound there in Waco. That was that 30 uh, years ago, huh? 
of course, led by uh, the charismatic uh, demagogue uh, David Reed, Koresh. Dave, David Koresh, uh, which uh, resulted in uh, seventy-two deaths. Yeah. Um, a good uh, third of those deaths, children, um, and really put uh, every you know everybody's uh, antennas on like what Janet Reno was doing. Um, and what the president had to do, and of course, then began this whole sort of, uh, if, if it hadn't already been there, <clears throat> post-Ruby Ridge, uh, anti-government sort of militia sort of movement, uh, which, uh, again, we saw sort of foment uh, part of the insurrection there uh, on Jan 6 in 2021. You know what else was going on in, uh, in Philly back then? I was living. Uh, I was living over on Chestnut Street, and they were shooting that movie, uh, Philadelphia. Mm. Ooh, yeah. I guess that was '92, but then the movie came out in '93. Okay. And yeah. they uh, they rented out the uh, little diner on the corner of like maybe like 19th, not on the corner, but like maybe on the corner of an alley, like 19th and Chestnut. So uh, when I would walk to school down Chestnut Street, I couldn't stop in there and get a coffee or a milkshake okay yeah and for, no, that, for, and for that reason i never saw the movie <laughs> oh tom hanks wins his first oscar for that it's that's it's a great yeah i saw uh, i saw schindler's list that year too people should still check it out again in of aids homosexuality bill clinton yeah. yeah right i saw i saw schindler's list at uh at the ritz that year is uh winter okay winter. yeah just just a couple more points here uh just just to go back it's like uh ruth bader ginsburg was appointed to the supreme court of course she has since passed but uh just just to give you some idea this you know she served for like nearly uh well over 25 years i can't remember when she died i think it was about three years ago or so um two police officers were uh convicted in los angeles on civil rights charges related to the rodney king beatings uh which again is just drawing all these parallels what we're seeing today with the tyree nichols uh thing going on in memphis it's kind of like it seems like the more things change they don't yeah no nothing changes dude nothing really really changes changes. yeah you know it does change Anti LGBT <laughs> music changes. Beliefs, beliefs, but the music changes. Music changes so. because I was listening this time, like at this time in my life, I was listening to so much music. Like this is like this is that nod to Colin. You know, I was listening to everything in the nineties, like ninety three around then. You know what I mean? Like Fishbone, Firehose. Um, that Ween, that new Ween record came out around that time. Uh, Pure Guava, Pure Guava, I think. Uh, it was either '92 or '93. Pure Guava is good. It's a great record, right? But I mean, I just like straight, straight out of Pennsylvania, uh, Trenton, New Jersey, I believe. I thought they're from Trenton. They're from Trenton. Okay. Uh, but uh, but what else? Oh, you know, a lot of like really great um, avant-garde. Uh, I guess you'd call it jazz. You'd find the records in the jazz section, right? But uh, a lot of stuff that kind of grabbed my ear um, in the early 
in the early part of the 90s and then in 93 um guys like john zorn mark rebo who had played with uh with a lot of folks tom waits and elvis costello and stuff they were all playing in a band called naked city and um and doing some really intense stuff uh Mick Harris from Napalm Death had joined him for a, a, a made a trio. It was drums, bass, Bill Laswell on bass, and uh, and John Zorn on alto saxophone. They put out a record called Blood of a Virgin, and it's it's <laughs> essentially like just insanely heavy metal with a saxophone. You'll have to look it up, I'll, or I'll loan some um, to you. It's heavy, yeah. man. It's it's uh, it's it's. It demands listening and attention. You can't. It's not something you'd put on in the background. <laughs> okay. Um, but I mean, I think about the the scope of music that I was listening to in 1993 was. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's set off where I am now, where any day of the week I might be listening to uh, Janice Ian or Skull Presser. Right. Uh, there you go. Time and place for everything. Well, Gordon Lightfoot. A little honey. A little, uh, you, guys, you guys remember like what movies you were going to the theaters to see in 1993? I had a three-year-old. I don't think I was getting to too many movies until they were in the blockbuster. <laughs> All right. So that's, that, that's that, my guess. So, so, so some of, some of the new releases that you might have seen, and these were the the highest grossing films, and this this just helps kind of like give a little sort of like oh yeah that's going back a ways number one film 1993 of course is jurassic park i do like dinosaurs yeah and look at that that franchise is still going strong as for number two mrs doubtfire fortunately there was not a sequel and also returning to like our previous conversation robin williams rest in peace um the fugitive with uh Han Solo, Tommy Lee Jones, one. Tommy Lee Jones, and Han yeah. Solo, and yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, of course, Schindler's List, right? Uh, of course, everyone's favorite Holocaust film. For all you deniers out there, you should check that out. Um, the Firm with Tom Cruise, Indecent Proposal, right? Remember that? Yeah, you know the other thing in the, in '93 for movies, I, I saw a couple of hits, right? But mostly, like we had, uh, we had TLA Video, which was like a little niche, like art house type video store, right? So you could see a lot, you know, all the stuff you couldn't find anywhere else. They had, um, yeah. So we, you know, we were seeing all kinds of like strange, foreign. That's what films you should do. Stuff. Like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do in yeah. college, right? Just get into some fucking Werner Herzog and stuff, and watch like the Cabinet of like Dr. Caligari and stuff. And you know, do you need to see Cliffhanger by like? Sylvester Stallone or Sleepless in Seattle, Philadelphia. I watched a lot of. I watched a lot of um, of like show movies too, like old like uh, Fred Astaire, Judy Garland. There you go. There you go. You could go to the store and get like a a VHS for like eight bucks. You know, follow the fleet. Yeah, that that that's here comes the the groom. That's a great movie. Here comes the groom. That that that's a good argument right there for like. you know, and there, there's there's a book called The Dumbest Generation. Like, but and the guy talks about his own story where he spent like a, a summer like watching movies that were just available in a local uh, video store, and he came into contact with like so many like classic films, whether it's 
Citizen Kane and Casablanca or French New Age filmmaking right. that he never would have encountered. He, he felt like it enriched his life and otherwise would have just been spending his time like watching fucking Brady Bunch reruns. Well, th- it's like not to, not to belabor that point, but I think I think what you're saying is important for people to hear. Like I remember first time I watched, remember that French movie Man Bites Dog? Ooh, yeah. That movie yeah. moves at a yeah. snail's pace. It's all subtlety. It's all like every word of dialogue is important and is not it's not like just shoved full of, of words, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's long sections. Yeah, and, of and, and silence. People, people don't remember <laughs> Man Bites Dog. It's basically like a this is the early nineties uh, sort of indie film where um, camera crew follows around a serial killer on his daily business. Was he a serial killer or a contract killer? He was a serial killer. It's been a while, but it's a great movie, yeah. right? Yeah, it's totally controversial, and it was like everything that you would like from a, a yeah, 1993 there's, film. There's this scene, and it's got to be five minutes long, where he like parks on the base of a bridge, and the film just watches him carrying like a body in a rug all yep. the way up the bridge. Yeah, and then just heaves it, off. <laughs> and it's just silent the whole time. And you're like, you could, a, an American filmmaker couldn't get away with that. No, but they it, would, again, the like, people would be losing. They would have to have like a narrative, like, oh, there he is walking. That that was that was that was it. That was an indie. What's he film. gonna do? Also, Swing Kids, sorry, <laughs> Christian Bale and Robert Sean Leonard, also. The Holocaust film turns right. out. Yeah, it turns out. Um, moving on to just getting back into oh, TV. So, like, if, if Colin, if you have anything about TV, I was just going to like Beavis that. I, that I could watch. I can watch right. television because I was Beavis and Butthead. <clears throat> of course, stoned all the time. They were stoned all the time. I was. Oh, that that and the whole sort of like liquid TV sort of stuff that they did on MTV. Remember Pop Up TV. Mm-hmm. Pop up TV, pop up video. Oh, you watch the video. Yeah, that's much later like, on, like VHS like, or VH one. Like, he's eating, he's eating pizza. That's <laughs> Yeah. Also, also Wayne's World is obviously going strong in in nineteen ninety three. Just like two idiot dudes basically loving metal. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there we go. And if there's anything else in TV. Uh, I don't know, like some Full House, some Family Matters and shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, there's like so many great albums that were released in 1993. We're going we're gonna to talk about our picks. Great albums? Uh, we, Ooh, great albums? Great albums? Ooh. Well, well, again, if we have... Uh, this list doesn't look great to me, Michael. What are you saying? Which list are you looking at? <laughs> The, the, albums, ones from, the ones from 1993. Albums released in 93? Yeah. All the albums that were released. Yeah. I mean... Mm. I was disappointed about a lot of this stuff in 1993. <laughs> I don't know what to say for you, Mr. Well, because, because there's just... I was... <laughs> and I don't want to get out and get too far ahead of myself because we got to listen to our music, but... I don't. I, in 1993, I wasn't getting what I was used to, and it was it was sad. Like Iron Maiden in '93, all live albums, and I'm okay with a good live album, but I don't need three live albums from Iron Maiden. I need a regular release. 
You uh, don't need three live albums by no, Iron Maiden. I can no. have one, but you got to give me a good studio. Except's album was no good at that time. Kiss Alive 3, again, nice. It's alive. You know, I, but, I actually considered you know, putting something from Kiss Alive 3 on my list, but I didn't want to like... I was trying to keep yeah. it like out of the normal stuff I talk about a lot. Well, and that, that, that Accept release, right, Colin, was uh, uh, objection denied. That objection, was like Objection overruled overruled that was like udo returning to the band there for for a minute yeah but again i just don't think it was very good we had the new anthrax sound of white noise good album just a change right didn't mm. didn't have didn't have what we were used to I'm with i you. was just it was, was a lot just, of bands like third record right like that they just weren't great yeah that's what i'm saying a lot of, a lot of record, like, like <sighs> bad brains rise like i don't know anybody who owned that record you know, just, right. just that's all right. right. You know, it just seems a lot of these records, that Metal Church record, just seemed like an extension of the Another prior good record. Example. Yeah, that's what I'm talking you know, about. It's just yeah. it wasn't anything new. It wasn't anything great. Yeah, no, and, and, and I and I am going to totally agree with you too. It's like this. This is the era of uh, Guns and Roses on their Use Your Illusion tour. Um, you know, and and again, Metallica's dumping Binge and Purge on people. Ozzy has a live record um who else is dumping van halen has a live record right it's just kind of like okay i get you and again um you know iron maiden didn't necessarily have a singer at that point motley crew drops something but like they don't have a singer anymore because vince is doing other stuff oh, Not, well vince had a record out that yeah, year vince, too. Vince, that's an, again another thing i was kind of worried about i'm like oh geez it's all vince by himself you know that oh, Rob, you Hal be Rob Halford, Rob Halford left Priest, and and he's got fight. And, I didn't, and, uh, you know, I didn't yeah, put it on my, I didn't the, put it on my list. Um, but uh, de the death record, individual thought patterns. That's a great record. It's got it's yeah, got Gene Hoagland yeah. on drums and Andy LaRocque on on guitar. Well, looking back now, I agree with you. At the time, as we talked about, I wasn't going to go grab that one. But <laughs> th there's a Def Leppard retroactive compilation. Dio Strange Highways is. It's okay. I was just, I was disappointed with a lot of it. There's some there's some good ones, but I was just I was just generally not pleased. Yeah. I was hurting I for know, for yeah. decent. I was hurting for decent metal in yeah. Uh, in the nineties. It's just not that much out there. David I, and I were in college, and I was definitely in college in California. So yeah, things things had definitely changed by the end of nineteen ninety two. MTV launches like their two hour show, Alternative Nation. Uh, hosted by Kennedy, um, right. and then it's like all you know. Again, like you just you just start to like kind of move on to like stuff that's a little bit more thoughtful, or you know, doesn't have to be like super aggressive and misogynistic and you know hardcore and shit. So I don't know, I'm just looking right here. It's like jellyfish spilt spilt milk. Yep. That's yeah. That's their second release. Mm. How about some Dinosaur Junior? Where you been? That's a great record. Is it? It totally is. I feel. I think <laughs> that the records that came, their records before that, were so much better. And that's my beef with that record. And then they, okay. then they kind of got big. And then I lost interest. They got big. Dinosaur Junior got big. What yeah, was they that? did. They did a festival. Did they, 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 they got picked. They were like all over the the mtv and getting well yeah that's the thing you major label darling how dare they get big when you I'm know and they got like the, the cranberries put out a record 
you got some, uh, uh, you know, Frank Black puts out his first uh, solo record. Also, at that time, somebody named Kid Rock puts out a record, too. But we won't hear from him for a few more years. Um, you know, some Onyx. Chris Isaac puts out uh, San Francisco Days. These are all records I was listening to. Aerosmith really? puts out Get a Grip. That record was enormous. Yeah, that, that was one of the bigger hits. That was one of the bigger releases. Yeah. You know, they had like what three big hits on that. Like crazy and yeah. like all, all the sort of like uh, jailbait, uh, you know, Alicia Silverstone videos and stuff. <laughs> you know, that made that made her sort of semi-famous gotcha 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 gotcha. you know but there's 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 plenty of pj harvey puts out rid of me that was probably it didn't i didn't put it on the list yeah but i probably should i still that's still in my like moderate rotation i had the biggest crush on pj harvey didn't Um, we all yes and uh that that album I think is is a perfect album when you we, when you think of like if I, I don't have the time or the memory to make my list of perfect albums but that album is a nearly perfect record if, yeah if, if I wouldn't even say if you're into it it's just it's so well done yeah such a and, well and again if people, if people don't know who you know Polly Jean Harvey is you should check out her shit it's she is intense and like yeah. just a great singer songwriter yeah. as, as is liz fair here with the uh, exit to Gu- exit and guy exile in guyville i'm reading but i know the album but it's yeah. that's that's a that's a good series like, i don't, I don't know, know that i've ever heard her and knew who she was on purpose um I, okay. I probably probably if i put her on i'd be like oh that's who that is that's who that is and in 1993 we're like again it's like so whatever you know mega you know monsters of rock tour is slowly within a couple years going to be replaced by like uh you know what what they call lilith fair and shit yeah you know and then that will soon be replaced by like britney and christina and other trash like that um you got bjork putting out stuff there's like there's just so much good music that's just coming out that it's and if it's not metal i i was unapologetic crackers putting out shit the breeders was was 93 the first bjork record the first bjork solo record it's called debut yeah that's that's a great record too i love that totally is super cute you know and you got you got some it's like you just go through the list here and it's like Anybody who's everybody, like the Cure's putting out records, Scorpions put out a record, Della Soul <laughs> puts they? out a record. Hey, remember, remember Rick Astley? Remember no, Rick Astley? I really don't. Yeah, Nick Cave puts out a live record. Oh, uh, live! Which, which live? The live seeds. Uh, yeah, live seeds. That's, that's a really good record. Came with a book. Yeah. I got it around here somewhere. Also, an EP appears by a band called Anal Cunt. Thanks. Ding, so ding. I was waiting. I was like, "Is that a oh, ding fucking word? Uncle Uncle Tupelo appears with Anodyne?" It's like, "Oh, there you go." That's right. so. What we so we got a playlist, right? Is that is that where we're is that where we're going here? That's, that's <laughs> we seem that, to be. That's where we, we're gonna we've go. We've got uh, right. we've so we we each picked three records that we thought were kind of important. Three uh, tracks. Three tracks. Three, three, well, three, three records. One track. The, on one each. track on each. Yeah. Um, and uh i guess we can you can listen along 
and I guess you'll have to take responsibility for your songs and explain what's going on here. But I think we'll need Michael to hold to, on one second, please. I have to go from oh, skull, skull press. Well, I have to come from skull presser over go to, to my skull press and then go, go, go to Spotify. Uh, there we are. There we are. Right there, right there, right there. Mercy. All right. I think first one on my list is anthrax. Yeah. Michael left. Now, now I think we need, <laughs> he's, he's had enough. So I think we do need to point out though, that John, even though he could not be here, uh, Michael took a shot on his records that, that Michael, that John chose and took a shot at picking some tracks that Michael thought would be uh, good tracks. Yeah. Yeah. So the algorithm, John, Michael's algorithmic mind also yes. known as Cherie. I was going to say, uh, uh, that's, that's not Michael, that's Cherie. <laughs> um, helped to pick what what's what's going on at the stamps household i don't know man do we need to call somebody no please okay. right. no i'm back just i'm added, back. sure i just decided this i had to like fetch myself a beer okay but, so uh, you're gonna you're gonna count us up here yes so uh is, is there is everybody uh spring loaded ready to I, go I'm ready i to think run. so all right let's yeah. see what we catch here with this i got i'm gonna like turn off some other apps that are gonna be distraction here we go one Two, three. Alright. So we've got uh some heavy uh, drum interlude here. Uh the ageless one, Charlie Benante on drums. I don't know if he's ageless, dude. He's got a he's got a reasonable grown up haircut nowadays. <laughs> yeah. But he's yeah, so he's he's not ageless, but like this is him still kicking ass in yeah. 1993, and he's still doing it 30 years later with Anthrax and uh, this other like up-and-coming band, Pantera. Yeah. Now this record, They're... I don't, I don't know very well. Okay. Sound of White well, Noise. So this, this is the the transition record for Anthrax, of course. Uh, when they parted ways with Joey Belladonna and mm -hmm. picked up our friend John Bush to ah, become their vocalist. Um, and did it change their sound? I don't know. Colin, did, were you listening to this record back in 93? I, I had it. I listened to it. I did not stay with it a lot, but I did like a few of the tracks. Uh, Always Room at the Table, something like that. Seat at the Table. That's an excellent song. Or Room for One More, or something like that. Um, what I think we owe this record is an apology as a metal <laughs> as a metal community. Because I I remember reading about this album and, and my friends and that I and that I would talk was talking to, nobody really wanted to get behind it because Joey had left. Uh, and I and I think people were just like, no, I'm done. But if you look at it now, go back and revisit it, it's an excellent album. And I think we did it wrong. When it came out in '93, yeah, no, and I'm, I'm, and I, again, I, I have I have mixed feelings about like what what happened here. And as I said before, it's like the, the split with Joey and the addition of John Bush like killed my two favorite bands, Anthrax and Armored Saint. Um, I I did like this record. There's there's something. It's definitely more sort of like. Uh, it's definitely a little bit more armored saint to me because like a lot of the thrash elements are, are definitely uh, replaced with 
the more sort of like rock song arrangements that go with uh, Bush's songwriting style, which which is fine then. Um, and there's like they're doing things on this record that Anthrax would never do. Um, so I, I appreciate it for that. Um, and I also appreciate the fact that these two bands are still around and still putting out great music. And th this is the song I picked here only, which was it was definitely like a single for uh, uh, for Anthrax at this point. And it is the one song that, that Joey sings from this era that was a John Bush song. And we, we saw him there when we went to uh, uh, see him at, I can't remember the place, but uh, it was there in Philly. What, the truck? It was, no, it wasn't the oh, truck. Oh, where, where we went? Yeah, where we oh, went. It was the, the Fillmore, I believe. It was yeah. the Fillmore, there you go. Sorry. Just, yeah. Why, why shouldn't it be called the Fillmore? But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a different era. Like, bands, we, we, again, going on our theme of, like, bands that are jettisoning their lead singers, trying to reinvent themselves. Just do the list. Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, Judas Priest, and here you got Anthrax. And I think they landed on their feet. And they would go on and put together, I think, I'm going to say like another five records. Colin, do you, you big fan of like the John Bush era with uh, Anthrax? Um, again, I've listened to it. I can't say that I go to it too often. I have them all. It, it's like you, you mentioned, Michael, it's definitely more rock than metal in my mind yeah. it doesn't really have that metal edge so yeah. um and i don't remember who brought it up a few minutes ago but that background kind of stuff i like yeah. this stuff in the background i can put this on and walk around the house <laughs> and do a whole bunch of stuff yeah. but it's because it's, it's pleasing but it's not like i really pay attention to it other than just yeah. enjoying the vocals and enjoying yeah, yeah. the rock beat and, and, and this is a this is a really compelling song. It has like a good gang vocal, and it's very melodic. It's it's a good sort of yeah. like yeah. I don't know. Yeah, if you're gonna just like push around the vacuum as you mosh, this would be the <laughs> song to do that. Back in '93, I think I'm gonna listen to uh, you know Belly and their new album Star, yeah. or some Mazzy Star for that matter. So now we come to David's pick. We've got. Dave, uh, you want to tell us about this. Yeah, well, this is Entombed, and the song is Wolverine Blues, which is just such an unfortunate name for a song. Um, there's a there's this, a, this song is called I Master, isn't oh, it? Oh, I'm sorry. the The record is Wolverine Blues. The song is I Master. It's the first track off of the record, uh, Wolverine Blues. Um, so the unfortunately named record that the story I hear is that the. Uh, the record company, without the band's permission, made a deal with Marvel to put Wolverine on the cover of the record. <laughs> and, yes, uh, it is on there. So there are versions of this that have Wolverine on the cover, and there are other versions that have really? just like, like a dirt skull thing on the cover. Is there like some like uh, copyright issues with that? No, they made a they made this agreement with with Marvel to use it, and I don't I don't get it at all. I don't I don't understand it. I don't like it. I think it looks stupid. Um, but anyway, um, the song that we have before us is is I Master, which is the opening track on this. And I, I love, I love Entombed a lot. Um, they have a really great 
kind of mix of like riff heavy stuff um, that just it's like it, it it's kind of simple but those little unison riffs like we just heard um, I think feel good you know <laughs> when it's like they're, they're cranking and cranking and cranking and then that riff drops and it's like temperature or the, the tempo cuts in half and they just lay in on this nice little heavy riff I I love that feel I love that sound um, but they also are the champions of this like Swedish buzzsaw guitar sound um, which is is the there's a real specific pedal that all the heavy metal dudes own. I have one, the Boss HM2, where you just dime all the knobs, just turn them all all the way up, and this is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> um, and when they stopped making that pedal, man, it was like the black market. People started making replicate, you know, versions of it, and they were like essentially like a black market for these things. Because if you took it on tour with you or something, or if it was just in your pedal case, it might get broken. <laughs> Um, this is this, this is a good this is a good contrast already between like what Anthrax is doing and what Entombed is doing. So it's like it's it's very clear that like uh, extreme metal is alive and well. Thirty years ago, Death yeah. is putting out a record that's in the, in this year, and Entombed. There's there's other bands like Rotting Christ. Uh, Anal cunt, just just put that but back in again too. Mor- Morbid Angels, uh, Covenant record came out this year. That's a good a record, really famous record. That's a good um, record, yeah. Um, so there's like, yeah, yeah this- there's plenty of bands, and there's a lot of these like black metal, you know, Swedish hardcore death metal stuff coming out. And, and, and Anthrax is probably going to end up on Headbangers Ball, but like maybe not Entombed. Yeah, Who's but song maybe is this? this song, this song this is probably my end song. Up. I don't even know what the heck this is. This is Colin. So, Colin, what you got for us? I got fight. Rob Halford leaves Judas Priest, and he goes and he gets himself a whole new band of younger players, fresh players, and they bring out War of Words. And I think it's a fantastic, heavy-duty, dark record. And uh, and it is. Oh yeah, and Rob's pissed off. (laughs) He is not happy. He left Judas Priest angry. And again, he gets, he gets himself a bunch of fresh young musicians. And uh, right now we're listening to Crazy. And it's a uh, little crazy, excuse me. And I think it's just a, a, a shredder of an album. It's so good. I might actually listen to this. You, yeah. it's, it's all like this, David. Everything is all real drop heavy riffs. Yeah, yeah Colin, this, this song in particular has like a lot of like, uh, southern blues sort of like stuff like dripping all over it it's yeah, like a see, solid like, these guys with like clutch and alice in chains playing a festival together oh yeah i, 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 yeah. And I i'm pretty sure they probably did at some point <laughs> the it's only good. the only thing i struggled with when fight came out was rob halford changed his look and instead of the 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 metal god you know, kind of look. He went overalls and shaved head. And, but he was wearing you know, shorts too. At shorts, some point. yeah. He he had yeah. like this whole sort of skate punk. Uh, that's when he got his head tattoo on the side. That's like right. He, yeah, he, he, he went kinda, full bald. He he yeah. He he kind of went all the way to this this the yeah. skater punk look. And I was like, all right, Rob, you know. But the music is is really good. And this, this is probably close to the time, too, in 93, where he came out for reals and said, like, Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. Yeah, I'm queer. We're here. Get used to it. 
Um, so it was, it was definitely like a rebranding of you know him, himself as a performer and, and as certainly as a as a the metal god, not to be confused with the metal lord. But uh, you know, it was it was intense. I remember like watching the Headbangers Ball and stuff, and he would just be like there, like like almost like in a band that was like a, like a mosh pit, and he would just bring the shit. Yeah. It's, I'm really uncomfortable with the pictures of, of this band. I told you. He's wearing like a striped shirt, like a baggy long sleeve. I told you, man. Shirt. He. he yeah. I, that, I, he's wearing a drug rug in one of Oh, no, that's not him. That's somebody else in the band. At least, at least, at least he's not wearing his clothes backwards like uh, the, those guys who were doing the, the crisscross. Crisscross. That's right. Yeah. Criss-cross. That's going on too in 1993. Jump up. I, no, that's a different song. Yeah, he. Just some of these jump. look like uh, like D Antwerd, like mock pictures or something. He's got like his his underwear sticking out of his his jorts. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I he's think got, he's got a little like skater I, cholo thing going on. Yeah. There. I I like but I fucking Birmingham. As a fan, what I liked was he went out and reinvented this this sound with these guys. What I didn't like was I think they went to him. If you want to be with us, I want to be cool. You got to look like this. I think he should have stayed a little truer to himself and stayed a little more metal god and not look that way. But I'm glad he made this music. I, it's a, it's I, I don't really think, I, but I, I think that that makes him legit. It makes it makes him you know appropriate for that era. I don't think he could have pulled off like showing up on a Harley with like all the leathers and spikes. I think he would have scared just away like, half the audience if he did. Be like, oh my gosh, Grandpa's coming. It's like, no, we're, he's bringing it. He was still fierce. Michael, is this your selection? Where it's uh, yes, so uh, a little-known band um, called Nirvana gave us this song in 1993 called "Heart-Shaped Box." Uh, perhaps you saw it on MTV once or twice. It was a especially dark and haunting and cleverly produced video, and and also a great song with great riffs and some really poetic imagery to do um you know this this is off of the in utero album this is the last studio album you're gonna get from uh nirvana little did you know at that time again suicide theme comes into the conversation um but uh this is just an enormously you know powerful song um is it metal i then it's hard rock then it's, it's as metal as anything else i mean i think you, you gotta got leave david, a lot of room like, right you know you got dave Grohl just like pounding the fuck out of shit and uh you know and and and, and, and chris just sort of like bringing a lot of great yeah, bass lines but, it, like it, but it's but it's tall. one of those songs that, <laughs> that could actually be like a radio hit in 1993 um you know it's 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 a song 30 years later i think everybody kind of knows and the imagery of the of the video it's kind of like cemented that into everybody's sort of like collective imagination um pretty pretty fucking genius shit you guys have other sort of accounts or experiences of your time with the song you know i was um i have to admit this song made my list, uh, but I saw that you'd already included it. 
<laughs> so oh, I didn't. Oh, you know, I was gonna go with Entombed too, but uh, yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> Darn it! It's like the gift of the magic. Turned off by the Wolverine image. It's like. <laughs> no, I mean I think that this this record, as with their second major label release, um, yeah, was great. Uh, this track, I believe, was originally re- recorded with Steve Albini, and he ruined it, so they had somebody else redo it. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think it's it, that was part of, I think, the growth for Nirvana. It was the part of them taking back their sound because I think that their first major label record is very uh, the production on it and the marketing on it is very commercial and not yeah. them. Oh, and, 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 and again, this like, record, I, they kind of rest that back. I think the choice of Steve Albini. Yeah. was a provocative one but since they were famous they were allowed to make it but then he he kind of went in some other direction that they didn't want to go yeah um, no that, that, that's a good point too because like uh some of the songs come off like especially like the first one like uh, serve the servants it's like wait a second like, like this is a little abrasive like can't you know you you wanted them to like be a little bit more polished you know like never mind style but they refused to do that. And again, like that that's saying a lot between like uh never mind in this this track. Colin, you you're like raising kids, you checking out Nirvana? Um yeah, when I mean radio wise, yes. And I did buy it of course though. And I honestly I thought In Utero was probably a little better than Nevermind as right. an album. I really did. I or at least what I found because smells like teen spirit just beat me down. I had such a hard, I had such I me mean, after a while I was like no mas no mas but yeah. when this came out when a utero came out I found songs like this refreshing I was like you know yeah. what I'm like these guys are good and this is a heck of a lot more approachable over and over again <laughs> than than being hit down being beat down by those other songs that they had off of Nevermind I thought this was it wasn't this the same year unless I'm wrong that Siamese Dream came out yeah, Dude, no, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to come to that, okay. too. Okay, and to me, sorry to jump ahead there, but to me, this fit in with that kind of stuff, and I liked it more yeah. than I liked Nevermind when that came out and, you know... Again, it was a hell of a follow-up. Um, and, and now we come to the, the debut record of a band called Tool. Uh, this, this is uh, John's Pit. Um, and, and the track that I selected, of course, was their, uh, it still is probably like their sort of signature song, uh, owing in part to, uh, really iconic video that does not really feature, it's, it's not a performance video, but it is creepy as fucks, you know, stop motion sort of direction. And it, it, it takes you places. This is sober. Um... David Cohen, you got some thoughts about Sober? I didn't try it much in the 90s. I had heard good things, but I, have, I avoided it quite a bit. But, Me either, uh, as I crack another beer. I'll, I'll be honest, I was never into Tool early on. I appreciate them a lot more now. I didn't David, I don't know. I was just like, eh, it didn't quite, it didn't quite stick with me. But, uh, boy, I really appreciate them now. I wish I had paid a little more attention to them then. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I was never that into them. I'm still not that into them. I 
I am a little bit of uh, I'm like a take it or leave it with them. You know, I like I'll like one song, I won't like another. I think that for me, as a, a very casual listener, I'll, I'll make the naive comment that I think too much of their stuff sounds the same. And somebody with a more astute ear for the subtleties would disagree, I'm sure. Um, and I don't know that even I believe that myself. But, like, the hits are kind of like, you know, they got their thing, yeah. you know. Um, and it's, you know, I don't know. I, uh, I also think it comes across a little heady, a little pretentious. And I say that knowing nothing about them. You know what I mean? I don't say I don't yeah. I don't necessarily think I'm right. But like this is the kind of stuff somebody will say, Oh, this is thinking man's music. And I'm like, well, that's not me. <laughs> no, but I think you, you, you make you make some really good observations there, David, I think too, in the sense that uh uh you know there the, this music is like really glassy, smooth, polished, produced, like this this is music that's like ready to like ten years hence like just be like plopped down on you know on a on a nice turntable with the headphones, um, which which is a real different sort of experience than like the the album that preceded this like the EP Opiate They're like a raging sort of dark angry funny dark funny band. Um, and and do most of their songs sound alike? It's like yeah, because like that's their fucking sound. Do most Rush <laughs> songs, most Iron Maiden songs sound the same? Most Death, you know, Def Leppard songs sound the same? It's like yeah, that's their fucking sound. Um, th- <laughs> this song is uh, obviously iconic because it just kind of like taps into like all those sort of like little dark crevices in people's minds, but. Uh, um it's 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 uh it, it it's a joy like going back to like 1993 and thinking about like all the parties i went to um and especially like the after parties where like this song would come on after like dude that's enough with the fucking blues traveler turn that fucking <laughs> shit off and then we pop this in and then people just like kind of get into like a real sort of like meditative funk and kind of go like yeah can we just drink forever it's like no probably not but we could try (laughs) Um, you know what always what always drove me nuts about music like this and like i'll add you know rush and uh, all the other stuff is that you would get iron maiden all that stuff man like you would get (laughs) these dudes like in high school right and they'd make fun of us nerds because we were nerds. And then they'd be like, dude, Rush. And I'm like, yeah. you're missing the, 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 the humor here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and again, it's like, that's, I think maybe that's a thing too. And, you know, you, sometimes like there, there, there are certain bands that attract like fanatics and not necessarily like music fans who could just go to like, Hey, I can listen to this band or that band. I can, shit, I'm listening to some fucking, you know, Smashing Pumpkins Gish or some, uh, you know, the the new Pearl Jam record Versus. And now we're on to David's pick here. Yeah, man. Heartwork. Dude, uh, I like this. Dude, Carcass. I love Carcass. Um, 
Carcass is not everybody's favorite band. It's not everybody's favorite band, right? So they got the, is it they anybody's got the, favorite band? <laughs> I know a lot of people, they love Carcass. Even the guys in Carcass, is it their favorite band? No, they're really into Thin Lizzy, I understand. <laughs> I can't blame them. Um, but so this is their fourth studio record. This is one of the, you know, one of the hits. But um, they've come a long way by now, right? So their previous record, Tools of the Trade, was was the departure from the like bombastically heavy uh, symphonies of sickness and reek of putrefaction, um, which was almost so heavy like if you didn't have a half decent stereo you couldn't even make it out, right? It was just it just sounded like mud on like a bad right, yeah. a bad ring, like a boombox or something. I, I, I think that that was that's that's been my experience. Like these records are. They make Venom sound like the Tool record we just yeah, listened yeah, to. Yeah, because they the the production is so hard. Because like it happens in, you'll notice it like as an example, the 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 muted guitar sounds in and Justice for All, they really bring out that like bass warble in the riffs, and you'd be like, some people would be like, this record sounds amazing, and then other people, if they don't have a decent radio, they'd be like, this record just sounds like crap. All my speakers just keep vibrating and t- making terrible noises. Well, so imagine everybody in the whole band, including the drummer and the singer, making those noises and then putting it on your boombox next to your bed, be like, I'm gonna listen to some cars. It's just like, yeah. And then the louder you turn it up, the worse it sounds. Loud, yeah. And to get it to sound, in, in order to hear the riffs and the lyrics, you gotta like turn the bass all the way down so that you can like get some clarity. And then it doesn't sound like Carcass. So anyway, um, this record and Tools of the Trade, the one that came out before this, they really made that shift to being a lot more technical. You'll hear it in the solos. Super yeah, clean. You hear it right? right now. And Colin, we saw, or you saw them. I was late. I did. They have really, like, their their playing has gotten very technical. Like, almost on the level of, like, yeah. King Diamond's guitarists. Like, really, yeah. really good. Um, and I don't know if they were good before, but they didn't play this kind of, they didn't play solos like this. Yeah, you know? no, this, yeah this is definitely an upgrade on stuff but like this so this is carcass uh, no love lost off of the heartwork record yeah uh so colin you got any thoughts on this were you listening to this in 93 no i sure no. as hell was it no no nothing with surgical implementation tools and nothing <laughs> with no no as david pointed out now recently last year yes checked it out really good stuff but no in 93 yeah. Nothing. Nothing named Carcass was coming across my <laughs> my, my turntable or my CD player. Nothing All with right, putrefaction you get, you get or your something. Pick next, Colin here. Yes. Hey, what, what's this unknown band that that came out in 1993? <laughs> well, this this band is called Motorhead. Oh, they didn't change singers, did they? They did not. Now, the interesting thing about this, anyway, to me is this album. They had a a contract with ZYX the label in Germany and when this came out it never made it out of Germany they they had this album by the way bastards is fantastic is it it is one of the best they've ever done and when they were finished ZYX released it in Germany it you couldn't get it in America it didn't come so, across like everything else so so what what, what was the, the album I'm seeing here is called March or Die but you said it was oh, called shit. Did I put the wrong? No, it's on. 
It's probably on a different record here in the States. Oh, I apologize. No, no, I'm no, sorry. You, 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 you could be correct. I was, I was no, just curious. No, no, I wanted... I, I picked the wrong song when I put it on the on the song listing there. Sorry. Bastards came out in 1993. Uh, but you did, you, you did pick the song Name in Vain, though, By right? mistake. By mistake, yes. Uh, my, okay. my apologies, Well, we'll everyone. listen to it anyway. It's a good song. Sorry. Did it come well, anyway, out in 1993? Because we did can not. stop it now. It did Dude, not. It came no. out in 1992. Yes. Play some Mazzy Star. It, it was one year. <laughs> March or Die was before. And then Bastards came out in 93. So the story uh, of Bastards was that it was released in Germany. Check it out. It, um, Born to Raise Hell is on Bastards, and eventually that way made its way to Airheads. Okay. Oh, okay. It was, it was re- redone Again. with Ice, Ice Cube, I think. And I think, what was it, Ice Cube? And one of the guys from some other band or something. Um, anyways, oh, it was uh, Ugly Kid Joe vocalist Whitfield Crane and Ice-T. They redid uh, Born to Raise Hell. And that made it to Airhead. So, anyway, you're listening to, from March or Die, Name in Vain. What you should have been listening to was something from Bastards. Well, I, I think it, it, it Post will be able to fix this. No. <laughs> Otherwise, it, it's, good, it's good to know that, yes, Motorhead was still churning out some good music, despite the fact, like, so many other bands, besides, like, jettisoning singers and trying to, like, reinvent themselves, were, like, trying to figure out, like... How do I get my record into Sam Goody or Musicland or The Warehouse or Tower Records? Um, you know, for, for a band like Motorhead to like have to go to like a, a, a label in Germany seems a little weird. Oh, you know what record I bought in 93? That first Bare Naked Ladies record. Oh, okay. Well, you could have kept that to yourself, but... <laughs> Good record. <laughs> you know, that's super cool. I bought this record in 1993 at Kmart. Really? Yes. Um, and I was like actually kind of surprised. Remember like when you you'd go to like Kmart and you'd buy like uh, CDs and they were like in that big plastic racky thing? Yeah. Because they, they weren't anymore in like the big long boxes. But this, this is... Uh, this is Rush. Um, their uh, 1993 release, Counterparts. And uh, the stand- standout track for me is Stick It Out Here. Um, I was uh, deeply impressed by this album. And uh, the friends that I had in college, uh, like Brian and AJ, who were like big Rush heads. So, like, yes, we were nerds, but, like, we would get, like, <laughs> totally wasted and have, like, Rush Jam Fest. Just, like, just, just prance around the goddamn apartment, somebody's apartment, and just sort of, like, do all sorts of, like, Rush sing-alongs and shit. But, wow. uh, I don't know, do you guys have similar memories? Of Rush? Of, of, of this album and doing like rush sing-alongs and stuff <laughs> i bought it and i liked it i didn't sing along you know with anybody but oh, uh, that's sad but i thought it was good yeah i mean i was probably singing a song called stick it out in like 93 but it was the one from joe's garage by frank zappa oh frank <laughs> oh maybe it was by anal kind no 
Ding. That's a totally different song. But no. uh, it, th- this this is a really good, solid record from Rush, of course. At, at this point, 93, what were we talking about? Like, they're almost 20 years into the game and stuff. And just, it's, it, again, like, I think what I'm getting from, like, most of these, like, big level bands and big level records, like, they're so slickly produced. It's like, it, they're not like a band that you would actually ever see on a stage with amps and crowd noise. But uh, that that was the look. That was the era of airbrushing and stuff. But, uh, dude, I'm not going to lie. I, I got the video up right now. And uh, some of these, like, faraway shots of Alex Lifeson look like John Harden. Oh, I yeah. Know, I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> yeah. or not. So it has if, if it's the same John, sort of I'm sorry. headed sort of, like, Weep over haircut and yeah. stuff, but and you're like doing the John thing like right there. But uh, <laughs> this this is a, a more of a return to form album for Rush. And I, 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 the air quote here that people on the podcast can't see, but uh, you know, it's much more guitar driven than the previous record uh, "Roll the Bones" was, which actually featured a rap. Um, and, and Presto yeah. too, which is an album that I like dearly love. But That's a good album. Even like before that, uh, Old Your Fire. This this is a little bit more rock record, um, and and sort of charts the the way forward for them for their their few remaining what would be their few remaining uh, studio albums. But like you know, just uh, again, just. Uh, just great sort of playing you know this is a more sort of anthemic song than you might usually get from Rush but I think that's also like a sign of the times too where you know they they still have like all their sort of like meditative poetic songs and shit but uh, I don't know this this worked for me it kind of you know I mean it's not a terrible Rush song it's it's not terrible. It's sort of a reminder that like some of these bands, like in like Deep Purple, was putting out new records. Whether anybody wanted to listen to them or not, um, in 1993, um, we come to uh, John's uh, final selection here, which is from the Smashing Pumpkins. Remember them? This is I. I want to say this is their first major. Uh, LP uh, Gish preceded it and they had like other EPs like Rhinoceros and shit um, how I remember this staying sober I guess but uh, when this came out oh my gosh it fit right in um, you know it, it, Rhinoceros and Gish were like a lot more sort of like dreamy, shoegazy sort of guitar stuff with like really sort of trippy vocals and certainly like very trippy self-made videos. Um, Cherub Rock and then all the stuff that would come off of this record, Siamese Dream, um, you know, were basically sort of like the the launching pad for... uh, what would be like a really great band in the 90s you guys have uh any sort of recollections of this 
just radio play. Like I told you, I thought it fit well within utero. Um, just, you know, radio hits. I liked it. I, I thought it was enjoyable. I kind of, I, as I look back on the 90s, I had a, I had a mix once that I made. Uh, I think I called it the 90s didn't all suck. Because <laughs> 90s you know, didn't at, all suck. Because at the time, you got to remember, I was coming out of the 80s like we all were, right? You know, we were all missing metal. We were all, at least I was, you know, struggling with some of the grunge and newer stuff. And, but you look back, some of the 90s stuff was pretty solid. I think, again, I don't think we did it any favors. I think we were kind of like, ugh. But I, I, there was some de- there were some decent bands. Candlebox yeah. and some other stuff. I really liked some of those bands from the right 90s. there with you until then. Candlebox is some good stuff. Yeah, Can- Candlebox's uh, release, their their debut release, comes out in 1993 after they, like, you know, scraped the bottom of the barrel. Like, are you from Seattle? <laughs> Do you play in a band? <laughs> Uh, and that's that's you know and again like I I love the fuck out of that Candlebox record, yeah. Um, but David, what 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 about Smashing Pumpkins? You know, I, my roommate in college, it would have been whenever their first record came out, ninety ninety one, something like that. Uh, it was really into them and played them all the time. I just hated that vocal sound that was. Less evident here, more evident than for that. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I just wasn't so down with it, and they looked weird, and I didn't. It know was totally the, different. I think that. I think that was. I the didn't weird like the way thing. they. I didn't like the name of the band. Yeah. They, know, what they, the heck they, is that supposed they, to mean? They didn't look metal. And then the record was called Gish, and I'm like, what the heck is that? Is you name your they, record after Lillian Gish. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, assumed right. Um, I don't know. Is that a? But thing? you know, it's funny because it, you know he gets a lot of coverage for being like a guitar guy, and the new record is is really heavy. Yeah, right. Well, again, you listen. You listen to all the Pumpkins records. Billy's guitar playing is like it's really good. John was texting me, and he's like, you got to check out the new Pumpkins. And I'm like, I'm not that into it. And I'm listening. I'm like, dude, I never realized how heavy he was. You know, he, I didn't think he was into heavy stuff. And he's like, dude, you need to go back and listen because he's really heavy. Well, and again, I, you have to I remember, never too, got like, it. Uh, I never James, got it. James Eha is also the other guitarist, too. And yeah. that dude totally shreds. It's like, it's not, it's not a fucking powder puff you know, band at all. You know, they, they, whatever, again, like, I think we had this sort of uh, thing going on in the 90s, too. It's like where you would just sort of like, I know a band by their video, and that would be it. So, like, this is how people would know, like, what Blind Melon is from, like, the, the song with the B girl. And it's like, oh no, you're, you're totally missing it. Um, but, you know, people's attention spans or their lack of curiosity prevents them from otherwise going like I want to see what this band does on all of the other you know nine or ten tracks on the record yeah um, you know and this this was Cherub Rock and that was uh, some pretty fucking intense shit yeah. moving into some uh, Voivod here David well, Voivod here man I love I love Voivod you know you know of my love for Voivod I think for uh, sure uh, the reason I selected this song is because it's a Pink Floyd cover, and yeah, 
They have a Pink Floyd cover on Nothing Face, uh, Astronomy Domain, and they're just so good at it. You know, I really feel like they're they understand Pink Floyd, and they have an obvious love for Pink Floyd. Um, and it's a good song to boot, right? On top of all that, it's a good song. But uh, so this is their seventh record. This is uh, uh, the Nile song, by the way. The Nile song. Sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> so this record, the, the Outer Limits. Um, this is so. This is seven. I want to say that Nothing Face was like their fourth or fifth record, and then Angel Rat came out after this, and. They just—I I really think that from Nothing Face forward, their their production got so much better. You could really hear all of the things that they wanted these records to sound like. And as a prog thrash band, um, I think they're just—they're really firing on all four cylinders at this point. I don't think anybody <laughs> bought this record. I gotta—I <laughs> gotta see if I can find what the sales were. Um, yeah. This is the first, also the first record that did not have the, the, the whole original band. Their bass player left. They all have nicknames, right? Okay. The whole, everybody in the band has a nickname, right? So the singer's nickname is Snake, and the guitar player's Snake. nickname is Piggy, and he's died of cancer in like 05 or something. And the, the drummer's nickname is Away, which probably is cooler in French because they're like from Canada. Um, and the, the bassist nickname was Blackie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they just anyway, like, so he uh, left like, like, and they they're, just had... They're like in like uh, some sort of our gang. <laughs> Call, I don't think anybody you, in our gang was to any named boy Blackie. Back in the early 90s? No, sir, I did not. No, sir, I didn't like it. No, I sir, did. I don't I, like it. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you grabbing that reference, David. I uh, No, I did not check out any boy Blackie. I did later, uh, last 10, 15, 20 years, I've picked up a few of their releases, later releases, when Jason Newstead was part of them for a bit. Mm -hmm. And I thought, it's good. I, I was definitely not back in the 90s. But some of the stuff late, the later years, I enjoy. There you have it. Yeah. yeah this is good. Totally like, I, I, I like this. They're like a crack band, like really good stuff. And, you know, like the, the, the vocals are, at least on the production on this one, they're like, they're, they're back. You know they're they're not front, yeah. Um, and it's, 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 again, like it has like a weird sort of like I'm gonna call it like '90s production. But this is not a glossy, you know, sort of record. Uh, but this this is good shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel like people need a people need a little bit of a primer right on Voivod. It's it's not something. It, it reminds me of like when you were a kid and you wanted to get into David Bowie, but you didn't know where to start, so you didn't do anything, right? There's just you, you could get lost in like the eras Let's of dance. Bowie, you know. Um, <laughs> but like, there's a couple of tracks on each record that are super accessible. But you get a, you get a record like Nothing Face, you get a record like this that like the whole record makes sense together for sure. Uh, but you take something like Forgotten in Space off of. Uh, Killing technology or something like that, and uh, and you're good to go. And I don't know what the heck we're listening to right now. Oh, oh explain see. yourself. This is this is why I wasn't listening to Voivod because I was listening to Vince Neil from the Encino Man soundtrack. 
this, th- think about this, man. Also on Vince's first solo record called yes. Exposed. Yes. Tommy Shaw, right? He helps write this. Jack Blades and oh, Vince Neil and a guy who plays yeah, a, man, a, plays a plays. Yankees there. Yeah. And, he, and this guy. Yeah, right. It's, it's damn little... Yankees with Vince Neil. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, the rest man, of Exposed man, is pretty bad. But this song is just so much fun. Man. And I saw him do this live, Vince Neil's solo band. The guy, yeah. when you hear all those funky things he does in the guitar, he's got a toy ray gun that he presses against the strings of his guitar of to make course. all those interesting sounds. This song is so corny, but it's so awesome. It's a party song. Oh, and, it's a huge uh, party song. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a, like pretty, it, it should be on the Encino Man soundtrack. It really, <laughs> it really does. Had I not screwed up and had I put Born to Raise Hell as my second track, you would have seen the theme. Uh, it's all gotcha. from Airheads and stuff. Yeah. Oh, so, so Colin, the question we want to know is like, is this a ballad? It is not a ballad. Michael. <laughs> it will right. not make Power Ballads 3. We could make it a ballad. <laughs> yeah. I, but I love the callback. This, 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 yeah, that's what I do. But this, this, <laughs> this brings back like some interesting memories because like, uh, because I was working at the Prune Yard in Campbell. The prune yard is say? like a little shopping center, and I, I worked in old folks' uh, home. I worked at the United Artists Theater there, and yes, I would have to like go in and clean up after all the people who like uh, had watched Encino Man, and like this because like this just rolled on the credits. It wasn't actually included in the film, but like you go in for the credits, it's like oh fuck, it's Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, after leave, him, after leave him on the crew, it was a, a pretty good opportunity for him to at least have a hit. I, I, I was, you know, yeah. I was like, hey, at least Vince got some love here. It, 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 was, it was something, um, you know, and again, like probably lots of credit to like, uh, you know, Jack Blades and Tommy Shaw. For, and yeah. this is like where the, the toy gun comes in. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I... I, I I, I couldn't, you know, again, like in 1993, like, it's like, oh my gosh, Vince Neil, I'm just so <laughs> fucking embarrassed for you. It's like, it was like 10 years earlier, and I'd be like running around the house in my jammies just to see you do some fucking looks to kill. And then it's like, now you're doing this? Yeah. Uh, yeah I hear I you. Know, did he have like any other hits off this record? The I don't. Record? I, I don't mean, think so. Was this a hit? Well, well, this was. It was in a movie. You know, it doesn't make it a hit. Well, no, but it got MTV love too. I think. Oh, okay. I, I, I think I it did anyway. Um, I don't remember seeing it on MTV. Well, I, then I'm wrong. <laughs> I, yeah. thought had, I thought it had a video. I guess not. I, it, it might have. I don't know. David but no, like I don't think like I don't think Exposed had any other hits. It's not it's not a very strong record altogether. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see Encino Man. Was that Brendan Fraser? Yes. Okay. It's a Pauly Shore vehicle. Yes, it is. So it's it, you know Pauly Shore is like a the Pauly Shore actor. joint. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Brendan Fraser is uh, is the, the Encino, Encino Man. Man. It was I mean when that was on cable in the summer, dude. That was the movie everybody watched. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Right? Oh, yeah. I, I think know. Steve I... Stevens is his guitarist. I think that's the guy with the toy gun. Is Steve Stevens. Really? So, yeah, yeah, so, to- so Stevie Stevens, Tommy Shaw, Vince well, Tommy Shaw, No, Tommy Shaw and Jack Blades just wrote 
Oh, I him. see. Matter of fact, it looks like they wrote two songs for him. But no, Steve Stevens, I forgot, was his guitarist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was really into Steve Stevens for a long well, time. Well, Atomic Playboy is a pretty good album. Long time player for uh, What's going on Really Idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we come to the conclusion of our Middle Aged Metalheads, the year 1993 Am I playlist. A stroke right now? <laughs> With uh, the nice follow up to Vince Neil. Beavis and Butthead's favorite song. They're like, really? uh, it's uh, it's quiet now. And they're like, just totally like chilling and almost mesmerized. And then they get to some fucking Johnny Greenwood sucking, you know, riffs. I'm like, now it's getting heavy. My I have judge. no idea what's going on right now. This yeah. is uh, Radiohead's Creep. Oh, no, yeah, I'm we, talking about we, what you're saying. <laughs> we got that part. <laughs> which, he's, which part? I'm trying to follow what's he's going on. He's channeling, I believe, uh, Beavis and Butthead. Thank uh, you. Uh, uh, Colin, do you remember Beavis and Butthead? Well, I do remember Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, but this 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 was one of their favorite songs. Okay, that I did not recall. Oh, okay. I I was in a, a cover band for a short time with uh, with a friend of the show Stymie, and we did this song. Is it fun to play? Uh, I sang for the cover band. He called me in a pinch because uh, his singer couldn't make a gig, and uh, I just kind of showed up and sang, and I I did all right, I guess, and. Uh, but I didn't know any of the songs. I like went over to my office and like <laughs> logged on to iTunes and like downloaded the set list and uh, and learned all the songs. But uh, you could sing this for a future weekend metal. Uh, maybe I could. Maybe I could. Maybe maybe for this one. But hmm. uh, <laughs> oh no, we already heard it. Uh, I was going to say, let's trade. go back in time. But uh, hey, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and I think I, I, I did karaoke with one David Timoney in Pittsburgh to That's this true. song. Really? Or I might have done Karma Police. I who, did not who, know you guys knows? were karaoke. Yeah, you did. So many PBRs. Yeah. So many PBRs. They don't call them pounders for nothing, Dr. Stamps. I, that's exactly right, Dr. Timoney. Um, uh, yeah, I, this, I did a Van Halen a song, song and like, he did... Uh, he did some like, like blur like tool sober it's like th- this is like this is their hit this is their iconic song if you know one song from the band you know this one um this comes off of likewise uh radiohead's debut record pablo honey uh most of the songs on the rest of the record don't really indicate like where they're going next um, and like Tool, where they went too, was seemingly uncharted. But you know, Radiohead comes out with the Benz after this, and then from there it's like, okay, computer, and then they are like in a genre of their own. And you know, uh, among my favorite bands is Radiohead. It's like there is like. This, there's a time and a place for Radiohead, just like there's a time and a place for putting on some Sinatra and making martinis. But like, Creep fits into 1993. Mel- were very... you listening to this? And I, uh, I was not. I was. I am not listening to this. Nah. The nice little melancholy end 
to our to our broadcast this evening at the end of the playlist. But no, I did not spend any time with Radiohead. Matter of fact, I've never owned any Radiohead. What? No, they never check the basement. <laughs> well, what? okay, good point. I've never knowingly owned any Radiohead. There's probably some down there in the catacombs. Now, but, now, yeah. now it's going to go into like something else, but like, okay, well, on on you know. Hey, on that note, maybe. There, maybe oh nice. shit! So then, oh, now I know what I need to do. Is like I'm gonna like put some drops into the feed. It's like give Collins like some songs. Like, so you you sure you don't like or know Radiohead? And be like, oh, or, you, you know you don't have to do that. <laughs> but I totally will. I no, totally or, will. Or, or or you could just email them so that we don't have to. Right, I think everybody would appreciate it. I think that's the thing. <laughs> you could, Man. okay. All right. So many great, so many well, great tracks. You know, I hate to break up a party, but um, all all good is, things is Philly burning, David. <laughs> no, they're they're having fun. They're they they closed like a twenty square block area. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, to prevent people from traveling when they knew they would be partying so i think uh i am out here way 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 far from philly in sellersville mm. as everybody knows and people were like letting off bombs i don't it, these are just bombs they have like laying around like, honey get out football the bomb <laughs> that's right yes. don't i keep a bomb around here they're for up by night? two touchdowns honey it's like can i make this explode on my mark <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was I I, 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 thought I I thought I was back at like to Crete or something. It's like, God damn. It's like what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> no, Philly's not burning. Philly is, is celebrating. And that's, it's a it's a big that, day of and unity. That, and that's a good thing. And it is. It's, it is. it's too bad about the Niners and uh their their injuries and stuff. But uh, if you, you were know. watching uh the other game. Oh, the, uh, is there another game going on? Yeah, the yeah. Bengals and uh, the Chiefs. Who won the, that? I the Chiefs. Him. The Chiefs. It was tied twenty to twenty, and the Chief Harrison Butker hit uh-huh. a forty-five yard field goal with eight seconds left. Oh. so the Chiefs took I that. To see the Bengals win. Not me, dude. I want to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl because my well, son's so, a Chief. So, my son's so, a so Chiefs who, fan. So, so who won? Chiefs. The Chiefs. So now oh, it's wow. Andy Reid against the Eagles. Yeah, dude. That's wow. going to be a huge storyline. Yeah. Watch him there mess up go. the clock. This is what That's we right. do. Watch him mess up the around clock. Around the horn. <laughs> oh, are we doing around the horn? What? Oh, what happened? Who has around horns? the horn? That ESPN show. Oh, oh yes, right. <laughs> that is a show on ESPN. Keep up, Colin. Get right. us out of here. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you all for listening to our review of 1993. We covered a lot of information. Hopefully, you enjoyed our playlist. 141 is the next episode, David. Is wow, that what you said? That's correct. I believe that's, that's correct. And I don't know what we really have on tap, so we'll all be surprised together when we get together for 141. <laughs> so I never remember any of the social media tags, but I know we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. I know we need those five star Apple podcast ratings. And David Spotify. talks about that a lot. Yeah. And Spotify do ratings. It, do it. Yes. Do it. So, uh, for Michael Stamps, for David Timoney, myself, Colin Bossler, thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you all soon.